You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The best part of the hunting season is finally here. We've waited for this all year long. Now let's make it count with some great gear from our partners. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their new 6.0 camera has added a 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. Its lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process and make sure that I have high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite for archery season is two 6.0 cameras, one on a stabilizer mount on my bow and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair this with a Tacticam remote so I can turn both cameras on with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Now as the temps begin to drop, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. Huntworth is making high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. This time of year, I'm making sure to layer smart. I start with a set of base layers, either the Casper or the Bangor, which I have found to be very comfortable and moisture-wicking. Next, I'll have on either my Elkins midweight top and bottom or my Saskatoon heavyweight top and bottom. Either way, I'm also going to be bringing my Saskatoon vest. And because the hunting often gets better when the weather turns nasty this time of year, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack all the time. And I can honestly say that this is the best rain suit that I have ever used. You can learn more or grab your Huntworth gear today at HuntworthGear.com. And finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. If I'm not in the action, I'm going to be making a move to go find it. And the Onyx Hunt app helps me identify those terrain features that I want to key in on with their latest aerial imagery additions. The app now has fully functional 3D on both iOS and Android, low-resolution satellite images updated every two weeks with historic look-back, and leaf-off imagery, all in addition to the base maps that you've always had in the app. Get more out of your maps this season and know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. Now let's get into this week's show. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley. I've got my co-host, Mr. Pierce Nellis, on the line. Pierce... Welcome back to the Mopey Show. The Mopey Show, man. I, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't going to say the Mopey Show. I was going to say the uh, "I'm sore and tired" show. But uh, yeah, what a grind, dude! What a what a grind, man. You know what? Last week, one of the first, or a couple weeks ago, I guess, we started talking about the blind optimism that we had. Mm-hmm. And I want to come back to that because it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, man, but but honestly though, honestly though, think about this. It, things did not turn out as we had hoped so far. Mm-hmm. It's November, I don't know, what's today? November 13th. 13th. It's not over yet, right? Like no. there's a lot of, there's four or five good days of rut hunting left before gun season even kicks in, okay? Yep. There's time, okay? But uh, things just didn't turn out quite like we had hoped. Mm-mm. But they were still really, really good. 
I don't know, man. Give me a give me a one to ten of your rut hunting so far. Ten being like excellent, one being like it sucks. Right, right. Um, man, like that that's so tough because it started hot, man. Like both of us hot. We were texting back and forth, like the whole. I mean, it was like what the first. We said like the the first to the fourth, first to the fifth. Um, it was it was nuts. Yeah. Like that was like what you dream about when you're like, all right, the rut's coming. It's going to be crazy. The woods are going to be on fire. It was awesome. And then the six was kind of okay, it seemed. And then the seventh, I saw a lot of deer hit the ground. Um, you know, just on on social media and stuff like that. And since then, it seemed pretty quiet. Right. I don't know. I I think it's. I don't know. I'm I'm struggling to you know keep my head in it to the point of like not you know because it, it's November thirteenth, right? Like it's not it's not over over, but it it for some reason it feels like it's over. Like it yeah. feels like this has been a long two weeks of just grinding for it, and uh, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I I'm, I'm I'm feeling the lull right now, and I'm I'm trying to trying to just keep keep a full head of steam going forward because it feels like shoot it should have happened by now what's gonna happen now like i feel like now we're on the back we're on the tail end of it and it's like everything's just gonna be getting worse every day from here on out it's how it feels i don't know if that's actually the case or not but yeah no i i get that it can feel that way man but at the same time i do have to say like this is prime time right now to Mm -hmm. find a buck with a doe and start making moves to sit all dadgum day on a terrain feature outside of doe bedding. Like, just go yep. sit there all day. You don't even have to get there at first light if you're, like, intimidated by an all-day sit. Like, just go sit, get there at 7.30, 8 o'clock, whatever in the morning, 8.30 in the morning, and sit there through the midday because right now is the time that I think we're going to start seeing those big guys starting yep. to slip up, making moves. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't see any big guys while we were hunting. <laughs> it just means that we didn't kill one of them. Correct. So, uh, walk me through it, man. So, y- you'd had some good hunts in October. I did, yeah. I, I had not even good hunts as much as just I had good, um, what I felt like was good intel in October. I, I was feeling really good. We had that that really big buck walking around my folks' place. Um, dude, neither myself or my neighbors have seen even a, a glimmer of him for the last like three weeks like, what? I, think, I think october like 23rd or 26th is the last time either of us have a photo of him so really? neither of us have a clue if a neighbor got him or if a car i don't think a car got him but i mean he's he has vanished and Dude, that's not along cool. with no so i, I don't, I don't know cool. what's going on I have no clue what's going on, but I I hunted my folks' place optimistically um, hard the first four days in November, and dude, I saw one like mature buck the entire time that I was like in in those four days consecutively. The first four days in November, I saw one mature buck the entire time, which was really really unusual for um, our little valley and stuff there. And so I'm I'm not sure. I just overpressured it or if they're just using a different, you know, 
part of the valley at this point. Um, and, and this year they're, they're just going, cause there are areas, cause I, I know the neighbors haven't been hunting nearly as much. And so there are definitely some sanctuaries around the area, you know, they're right. within five, 600 yards of us, but, um, yeah, I know for a fact that there's untouched spots around. So I don't know if they're just down there or if that old guy is just hunkered down and not, not wanting to budge, but it's been pretty darn quiet, uh, at least on the, on the private land front. Um, public's been decent where, where I've been hunting. I've got one buck that I'm pretty, pretty fired up about um, who I saw the first day that I hunted out there. Uh, I think it was like on the 5th or something like that. I saw him while I was getting set up and I saw him yesterday as well. Uh, so Sunday, the 12th, I saw him again. Big boy. Uh, yes. Yes. He's handsome, but I had him at 36 yards and he was quartering two and he was standing in some like hip high briars and stuff. So I didn't have a clear shot or anything like that. Um, he just wouldn't come. He was on the trail. If he would have kept going straight the way that he was, the way that he was headed, um, he would have walked out and given me a 30 yard, slightly quartering two shot, but didn't want to do it. And he went back into some thick stuff and, uh, I tried stalking him for like an hour and I got really freaking close until the wind swirled and he jumped up about 15 yards from me from just down, like just below the crest of the hill. Uh, where I was trying to creep up on him from. So, so tell me about the setup then. Like, where were you set up that got you that first encounter with that buck? Because it sounds like that could be a good spot to just go right back to with maybe a small tweak. Yep. To the location yep. is that precisely? The plan? Yeah. Okay. It, the plan is, I'm going back and forth. There's part of me that wants to because I I found his bed. And I bumped him, but it was a gentle bump. Like I didn't like, like he didn't tear out of there by any means. He more jumped up and was like, something's not right. And he kind of bounded once. And then all I could hear was, and then I didn't want to keep, I didn't want to push him any further. And so I, I just turned around and I backed right out then and there. Dude, that's when so you I just slither like, like a snake out of there. Was like, I wasn't here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, there's a decent bit of squirrel hunting pressure. Um, Okay. On this property as well. And so I was like, he's definitely gotten shoved around, I think, by by a handful of uh squirrel hunters or even just other other bow hunters um in his life, I think. But I mean, I dude, I I know the rock he was behind. I know Jeez. the point he was on. I know the trail that he used. Um now, was yeah, this in the so morning? It, you, this was in the morning you saw him. Yep, morning. Right. Yeah, both so, times I've seen him, it's been like the first hour of daylight. He's been on this uh, on this side of the draw. So the first um, time you saw him, was he going back to bed? Yep, I, I know that. I, I realize that now because I thought that he – remember uh, last week when I was telling you about him, I was like he was moving really, really slow. Like I don't think I spooked him or pushed him hard or anything. Now I don't think he even knew that I was there, honestly. Right. Um, I think he was just going back to bed because, dude, he – stood out there at 36 yards and then at 40 yards and he milled around for, I mean, 45 minutes. I watched him. No kidding. Is your yeah, heart dude, just he about was, to explode out of your chest at this point? For the first like minute and a half when I saw him. Yes. And then after that, I was like, okay, he's moving really slow. I just need to, and, that, and he was like on my weak side. So I was trying to get my, my bow 
picked up and bring it over the top of my uh, bridge and everything on my saddle and then rest it there. Right. And I was like, he's going to start moving like soon here. He's going to come over this way. And um, you know, just judging by the path that he was on, but he just never did. He kind of just quartered away then and started working through some thick stuff. And then I could see him from behind this big, it was probably three or four fallen trees where they'd done some logging, but I could see his uh, the white patch on his butt and his antlers through the, the fallen timber. And so I was like, it's clear on whatever side, like whatever on the back side of that, it, it's clear open in there. And so if I can get to that deadfall and maybe sneak up over the top of it or around one side of it, because I was, I'd, I'd hiked it a couple of days prior and I found um, like that if he would have kind of veered off to the right, he would have lined up perfectly with a trail that would then go down through the bottom of this little draw and up the other side. And so I was like, if I get down there, I'll be downwind. If he tries to go down the draw, he'll walk right to me. And if not, I should be able to just peek right around this deadfall and hopefully get a crack at him out in this open area. And I was a little slow uh, getting down to him. And so by the time I, I got to where I wanted to be, where I could see into that opening, he was, I, I couldn't see him at that point. So he was too far um, past where he was, at least when I, when I saw him the last time he was moving super, super slow, like the entire morning, like taking like two or three steps and standing around for like 10 minutes, like at a time, like just really, really taking his time. Acting like a um, in his bedroom is what he's doing. Yeah, dude, exactly. Acting like exactly. a buck in his bedroom. That's why that's why he acted the way he did the first morning. Yeah. Now it's all yeah. starting to come together. So was he bedded in what would be a I, I want to ruffle some feathers with this. Let's do it. Was he <laughs> bedded in a typical like, oh, this is a buck bed? Or this this is a this this is a buck bedding area that you could have picked out on a map. Because um, it was on the leeward side of a ridge with a point where he could see really well down below him and smell anything coming up from behind him and fit, you know, exactly like it was supposed to or not so much. Pretty much. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Cause both times that I've, that I've hunted him, it's been on a, a South blown or a, a, I guess a, a North blowing wind. So blowing from South to North. Um, the first time it was like eight to 10 miles an hour. Yesterday it was like 18 miles an hour. Like it was written. And that's probably why I could sneak in on him was because there was just so much noise from the wind and all that. So basically I would, I climbed down, I would like walk cause everything was super dry yesterday too. But I would, I would kind of like creep along this deer trail that went over and wrapped around to his bed um, or to where he was standing. And basically every time like there'd be a big gust of wind, I'd take, you know, a few steps and I'd cover as much ground as I could. And then once the wind died down and it got quiet again, I'd stand there and freeze and I'd just kind of scan everything out in front of me. And then when it gusted again, then I went a little bit further and um, all that. But yeah, he he was definitely in, I I guess what you would say uh, is a, you know, where a buck bed should be, I guess. Um, He's he's on the, I'm going to be careful not to give too much away here, but he was on um, a difficult to access side of the property um he had the wind blowing over the top of him like at, at his back over this uh knob um I, th- I think you and i were talking about that too about how he was on a north facing slope and i hadn't really seen much on the south facing slopes right um so he was on this north facing slope 
wind was blowing over the top of that. And then he could see down through this entire draw and where he was going. And now I don't know if I, I maybe bumped him out of his original bed. Cause there's one really nice, like big bed where the, I mean, the grass is flat. Um, and that's about 15 yards from the tree that I figured out I could set up in um, and have a good crack at him coming up the trail um, kind of up across that slope where I'd seen him the first time. Okay. This time yesterday, he came from over the hill, um, kind of above me, uh, over to my left, and then was hanging around this thick stuff and then just sort of cre- crept off um, over to this knob. But once he was on the knob, it was exactly what you would want to see if you're a buck. You've got the wind blowing over your back. He's on a point that, dude, I mean, he's basically like on a cliff edge. Right. Like, it was super, super steep. And basically, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of cool. I, you, know, you and I've been talking a lot. We've been listening to a handful of interviews of, uh, or with Cody DeQuisto right. and he shot an absolute stud of an eight pointer back in, um, October, I think it was. And he was talking about how these bluff country deer, like they'll, they'll go out and they'll actually, like he found a buck bedding area on kind of this bluffy area. And there was a bunch of these big boulders, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a little boulder field up on top of it. And dude, that's exactly what this buck was doing. Like he was little, the when I finally got up in there and the wind swirled on me, he stood up from behind a big boulder. So he was on this bluff edge with his back to a boulder, wind blowing over the top of him. And then he could see everything down below in the draw, I guess right. down below him. So, I mean, he's, nothing's really sneaking up. I don't know, like, his escape route's got to be a little iffy because I mean it is steep down that other side, but right. um, I guess not so steep that he couldn't kind of like wrap around it and find a good trail and hightail it out of there. But sure, sure. So I'm looking at the map that you sent me with all the pins. Mm-hmm. What pin is closest to? Not that people can see this, but this is for my <laughs> own enjoyment. Uh that red buck pin to the west the furthest west point okay i believe all right and so he was so if you basically from that that further west red buck point if you go straight west 50 yards that's where i jumped him that's where you jumped him yep interesting interesting dude that's a weird Man, that just seems weird. I mean, I guess you've got that bowl right there, too. Yeah, but I mean, dude, that whole cliffside is super oh, it's steep. super steep, man. Like, I'm looking at it like, yeah, that's sketchy. Dude, I found, so last year, um, I was trying to do some scouting down here in Georgia and not having a lot of success. And I found a buck bed that was, again, where there's just super bluffy, you know, rock outcropping kind of terrain. Mm-hmm. And there was this like, you know, not as steep area near a, it's kind of like a saddle slash bluff gap. So you got a, like a gap in the boulder or a gap in the bluff kind of thing. Yeah. So I went down below and right where this big boulder, I'm talking like 30 or 40 feet tall kind of boulder. It right at the bottom of it, it had kind of caved out and was hollowed out underneath it. And I went mm-hmm. over there and all the saplings along the rim of that thing had been rubbed. And there was a buck bed really? up underneath 
the boulder where it's like in the in a cave, pretty much. No way. Yeah, it's wild. I've got I got videos of it, dude. I need to <laughs> I need to post some of those because I was like, you ever throw a, a camera out there? Dude, no, I didn't. And let me tell you why. Um, like, literally, to get into this place took me three hours. Oh God! Of scouting, right? I put on six miles that day. I was six miles deep in this piece of ground, right? Then I, I climbed like 450 feet of elevation in the last 300 yards. Yep. So it was this. Straight up. It was awful. Then I hit a rim of mountain laurel where I was literally holding on to its branches to get up. Like I, it was so steep. I was, I was almost mountain climbing. And my mm-hmm. thought was, if I fall, my best bet is to just stay as flat as I can and spread my arms and legs to slow my descent. Because right. I was totally convinced there was no way I, was, I wasn't stopping, like, until right. I hit the bottom. So, no. No camera in there. <laughs> nor will I ever hunt it again. That makes sense. Or no, Nor will I ever hunt it. Um, but I did find, you know what I did find? I found an old logging road off the backside of this thing. Okay. So there may I may be able to access it again, and I found an old card table, an old, um, like a bunch of old barrels, an old light light mounted way up in a tree, with wire hanging down from it. It used to be a deer camp, back in the no day. No kidding. And I'm talking a, like a 1960s card table sitting there, dude. <laughs> it was the coolest, dude. I I got there and I was like, man. The beers that have been had and the conversations that have been had and the late nights and the early mornings and the deer camp tradition like that have been had right here in this spot. Like, right. It blew my mind, dude. Like, I I literally just sat down and just like took it in. And I was like, I felt like I was standing somewhere special, you know, just just because of holy place. (laughs) Yeah, it really was, man. I mean, it was a it was a trippy experience. But anyway. All right. God, wouldn't you love to know like just who that was? Oh, dude, it had to like, be a group of people too. Cause there were like there were like six chairs scattered about, you know. Right, and yeah. it's like, so what? What were they bringing up here? I guess some tents, maybe, and a car battery, right. you know, to run the the light. Because the light at the end of the wire was just like you know wires, you know, yeah. coming out. So they were obviously like just <laughs> a negative and a positive. Yeah, they were just sticking that sucker on a car battery, and they had <laughs> you know had light for their camp and. Like, dude, what a place, man. Right? Just How far a, up the road is the, what was this camp? Oh, it was, was it way back in there. It was, up, it was up above the buck bed. Oh. It was on the top of this ridge. But like I said, I found the, uh, on, afterwards, I found the old logging road on the backside. Mm-hmm. So I think sure. there, there used to be a way to, to drive up. But, okay, gotcha. And when I say old logging road, I mean a logging road that's got like 30-year-old trees growing in the middle of it, but you can sure. still see where it was cut out right. flat to to drive up at one point. Sure. Now it's still flat, but it's got, you know, 30-year-old oak trees in the middle of yeah. it. So it's a wild spot, man. Man, that's cool. It's a wild spot. And, I, dude, I'm telling you, those deer have got to be using that logging trail. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure they're using the heck out of it. But, boy... I'm probably never going to hunt it. Um, but if you did, the good news is if you killed something, all you'd have to do is drag it to the edge and let it go. Right. Like, dude, I was like 
just that's exactly up. what I've been thinking about on this property. I was like, if I shoot this deer and he runs that far away from me instead of running, you know, I, I guess if he runs away from me downhill, if he dies on the way down, I'm not getting to him until like I, I'm finding him at the bottom. Like I am finding right. him 300 feet below me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hope his tines are still there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. With all the boulders that you're going to have to get around. Yeah. But, so, dude, you, you've really given it to this spot, man. Kudos to you. Like, you had a good feeling about this place. You've given it time. You've developed it every time. When I say develop it, I think that's something that a lot of guys can maybe learn from is every time you go to a public spot like this or every time you're on a new property, be constantly taking that next step of either gaining knowledge or gaining experience or something with it. It's easy to find a spot and be like, ah, it was pretty and I could see a lot and I saw a couple deer and just stay there. You know what I mean? But you've kept at it, man, and you've pushed. So, like, what's the next step? I mean, are you getting in there to – set up right over his bed going to treat it like an early season hunt are you going to try to catch him cruising for for does are you going to wait for late season if you don't screw with him dude i bet he's in there in late season right right yeah and that that's precisely why i backed out of there after i bumped him because like i said it was a soft bump like i think he just he caught wind of me i don't know if he saw me or anything like that i know he didn't hear me because like there's part of me that's wondering if he's like hard of hearing too Cause I, dude, I grunted at him like multiple times when he was kind of at that 36 yard mark and starting to quarter away from me, like didn't get an ear flicker, didn't get a a head to pop up or anything like that. Like, dude, he was uninterested. So so here's, Um, here's my question. What did, mm -hmm. what did his tarsals look like? You know, I couldn't see him. What does neck look like? Super swollen and ruddy. Not super. Dude, come he, to think of it, he sounds like he may not be playing the game. I don't think he is, dude. Because like he's, because <laughs> I mean to be to be going well, back to your so, bed at eight o'clock in the morning, November twelfth, November twelfth, right. and doing the same thing on November fifth. Right, that's, that's exactly like what I'm thinking deer. too, man. Yeah, and so I, and it's not to say that there's not bucks that are in full rut mode right now out there because I mean uh, I forget what day it was it was late last week. I was out there. Um, I was telling you about this when I was out there and I'm like on this trail going around this, uh, little knob. And I'm like, this is the trail. This is the bench. Like if, if deer are moving around this knob, this is where they're at. And I was just about to text you. Hey, remember that pin that I randomly dropped? And I was like, what do you think the odds are deer are using this? And you were like pretty high. As I reached for my phone, I just heard, and this doe comes flying around the corner like of this knob like just hauling ass straight at me because i'm on the only trail that's there and so i (laughs) i'm kind of like oh man she's gotta have a buck behind her also holy smoke she's gonna hit me right now and so i like lift my bow up a little bit and i uh i kind of move and she sees that and she slams on the brakes probably five yards from me and sure enough, this two and a half year old buck comes whipping around the corner and he's only got half a rack, unfortunately, but he sees her stopped and kind of confused. And then he jumps off the trail and goes up the hill like 10, 15 yards. And then both of them are just looking at me and then looking at each other like, all right, 
whose move is it now? <laughs> like, are we still this doing this thing? Really What's good. happening? I don't understand. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and so, that's funny. Um, you know, there, there's definitely rotten bucks out there. Right. And so the fact that this guy is, you know, not playing the game and he's going to bed, um, you know, at, at seven 30 on a, on a early November morning is super right. confusing. It'd be interesting to get in there with him and sit and see, you know, if you don't get a shot at him next time you're in there, mm-hmm. just watch what he does mid morning to see if, you know, maybe he gets up and like now he's going to go back and check some doe bedding or something like right. that after a night of cruising around. And he's like, because I've heard, you know, one bucks kind of do that where they wait till later in the morning and then, you know, then they go check the doe bedding areas. Right. Uh, which I, I've witnessed a couple times, I think, because it's not been until the mid morning time period that I've been seeing bucks for the most part. Like it's been later. Mm-hmm. And I actually watched on last day of my hunting. I watched a two-year-old eight come walking down this trail and there was doe bedding to kind of like my north. Yeah. To my north. And he stopped at every entry trail uh, of the, so he was walking a a trail that paralleled the bedding and every trail that went up into the bedding, he would stop at the trail and like walk a few steps smelling around and kind of walk a circle and then get back on the trail. He was walking and then get to the next trail that goes up (laughs) into the bedding and like, walk in a circle around it. He's just checking all those trails that enter and exit. Systematic. He is dude. So he's, he's a two year old and he's figured out, I don't need to go sprint through that. Right. You know, and it was a day of swirling winds, just like really swirly kind of winds, you know? And I was like, I bet you that's why he's not just trusting his, you know, well, I'm going to cruise as a downwind side. He's like, no, I'm going to walk it and I'm going to check each trail that goes in and out. And that was right. what he did. He checked each trail that goes in and out. And then when he got to kind of close to where I was, um, that's when he peeled off. And But there are no good entry and exit trails around the other side. It's all like, right. the, it's this little like creek and then nastiness. There, there's no crossing mm-hmm. right there. So he cro- he checked every trail, you know, ran perpendicular to all the doe trails, huh. which was really, really interesting. Um uh, it's just see. cool to see. Yeah. So it just makes me wonder with your buck, though, like, was he going into bed because he was about to get up later? Or was he going into mm-hmm. bed because he is not really participating? Like, is he just a different kind of buck? Or he's like, you know, I've also heard of bucks that, like, not doing a lot of scraping, not doing a lot of aggressive stuff. You grunt mm-hmm. at them. They don't want any part of it. You know. Right. But Right. And, you know, it makes me wonder if it's because this is. 150 yards or so his bed from that big scrape that I was talking about and that huge rub. Um, but it's on the point that goes and connects two big draws that each have massive scrapes on them. Each have super, super aggressive rubs on them, like big, big rubs. And one of them has got that snapped off pine tree that was in our post last week. Right. And the other one is, I mean, like we, I was telling you last week, it's a like a 12-inch tree that's, you know, rubbed pretty substantially right, right. Um, around the base of it. And so, I mean, I I don't know. It, it really is, it's, it's got me scratching my head for sure because he does seem to be, um, I, I don't know, just, just doing his own thing. He's yeah. not really acting like a ruddy buck, I guess. 
Right. But he might just be old. And so I've been trying to figure out, is he, because he's the oldest buck that I've seen out there. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I, for I sure. know there is a lot of, like a lot of those deer are nocturnal as a, uh, as a result of that, um, uh, uh, squirrel hunting pressure and just other mm. hunting pressure as well. Um, but in there and get my crack at him this week before gun season. Cause I don't want to risk, you know, some random guy hopping out of his, you know, pickup and blue jeans and a flannel bumping this thing and then getting a crack at him. And that's that. Right. So nothing wrong with um, hunting in blue jeans and flannel. No, 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 nothing no, no. Wrong no. With I'm it. just saying we just, you've been after it. I'm invested. Yeah. You're invested like <laughs> and it would suck for all that work not to be, not to pay off with a deer at the end of the day. Right. right. Man, maybe you should take your shot out there for gun season. I know it's, I know it's tough not to be where, I mean, your, your, your place is turned on during gun season. So hopefully usually it is right. Yeah. Usually we we have no clue this year, but yeah, just stay out of there for a while, man. Give Mm -hmm. it some time, run this public into the ground. Take cameras with you when you go back in there, though, dude. I feel like you need to right. get some cameras on this buck at this stage and maybe maybe put them on, you know, 200 acres on either side of his bed mm-hmm. on his exit trails or whatever. You know, not too close, but close enough where it's like, okay, I'm still getting him in daylight or whatever. Right. Um, but, man. Absolutely. But, yeah, so I think moving forward, the game plan is going to be uh, – I'm there's part of me that wants to just – go all in tomorrow morning and set up on that trail, going to that point off the bluff on the downwind side and just, just go for it. Um, and just try and kill him on his way back to bed. There's another part of me that's debating whether or not I should sit the same stand that I was in where I had him at 30 yards and maybe he decides to, I don't know, cruise, you know, out in that more open area or maybe set up, on a tree right where he was like where he was standing. So I can still shoot into that thick stuff. I'm right. I'm scratching my head. Right. I maybe wouldn't go all in on the bed itself, Mm -hmm. but I would certainly move to a better position than you were in. Yeah. So it sounds like that, you know, middle ground approach of like trying to get to where you can shoot into the thick stuff where he was kind of standing around. Right. Maybe you can split the difference and see what happens. But Right. My thing is I just don't want to go too far uphill and then he comes in below, like pretty much below me, and then he wins me that way. Right. Because um, right. the winds do like to swirl in there because, like I said, it's on that north side, so everything's cold and still you still get the downward draw of the thermals. Right. Um, even with the wind. And it was weird too, because it's like we got this warm snap this week as well. So it's heating up quickly during the day. And so you've got the 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 cold of the I guess of the shaded draw sucking everything down, the wind blowing over the top of it at you know 15 to 20 miles an hour. And then the the south facing slope is getting sun, you know, two hours into daylight. And so then it, it just creates this big kind of whirlwind of, right. You know, how do we play this? So I'm just trying to stay, stay on the edge of that opening where I've seen him both times and where I know he likes to kind of maybe mill around and graze. Um, but creep just 
a little bit closer so that maybe I can get a crack at them. Right, right. So these pins that I'm looking at here, which one were you set up in? Um, the white one, the white saddle pin. The white saddle pin. Oh, I don't think I have the white. Oh, you've kept the white saddle pin a secret. Oh, my bad. Dude, I don't even have that. I don't even have that upgrade. <laughs> Man. All right. I'll, anyway. I'll send you the I'll send you the full picture. Okay. All right. I was just trying to get a get an idea of it, man. I, I feel like I'm invested in this deer now since I <laughs> did not tag a big one uh during my rutcation. So No, but you did fill a tag. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm gonna be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, tacticam.com and share your hunt with Tacticam. I did fill a tag. So, uh, man, much like you, my hunting started off hot and i will say blind optimism did not kick me in the teeth but um i have i have a huge huge regret going into this hunt and that is i tried to ease my way into it um Mm -hmm. i went in without a killer instinct i went in tired i went in um kind of feeling that like homesick, like guilt for being away, leaving the wife with all the work kind of thing. And dude, the hunting was hot for the first four days. And I mm-hmm. was not, I was not mentally in the game. I was optimistic. I thought I was going to get on deer. I did not have the killer mindset. I go in day one, have an opportunity at a beautiful, beautiful tank of a deer. Mm-hmm. And, if, Which, in your defense, you couldn't see all of. I could not see all of him. But, number one, I had moved without taking all of my gear appropriately. I did not grab my grunt tube on the way down. Because I was not, even though I thought I was in the game still, I was not expecting to shoot a deer that night. And I should have mm-hmm. been expectant, right? Um, okay. Number two. I was not familiar enough with where I was sitting, and I did not do a good enough job matting everything down, so I put the doe on alert, right? She should have taken more of her sweet time to mosey through there rather than a bound or two to get past me. Uh, She didn't spook hard from me, but so I messed up on that. Number two, I did not have my binos on their harness. I had them sitting next to me because, again, I'm just being lazy, picking them up and scanning around. rather than having them on my chest. What I should have done, that buck steps into a shooting lane. Killer mindset says, Josh, you can't see all of that buck. Throw him up. Binos come up. I check the bushes, and I see there's more there than I'm expecting. So when I draw back, instead of a 
practice draw to figure out, you know, oh, yeah, I'll get it drawn back and settle my pin, and then I'll let it down because <laughs> it's just a little forky. Uh, I'd have let it eat. You know what I yeah. mean? So little mistakes like that, man. Um, mm-hmm. Another mistake. The next, um, gosh, was it the next morning that I had a good one follow some does out of betting? And um, he gave me a shot at 35. Uh, no, he gave me a shot at 25. But it was in some brush, and, like, my spot to stop him was just real small. And I, mm-hmm. like, internally was doing some junk, man. I'm like, uh, should I shouldn't die? Like, I just wasn't dialed and mentally there fully. And sure. what I should have done is the moment he stepped into that little area, that shooting lane, I should have merped him and just right. like let the chips fall where they would. Um, I was trying to bank on the does. As soon as I realized from his body language what it, what he was going to be doing, I should have merped him and I should have taken the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, couple times I called some deer in. I was not thinking. I put my back up to a lot of brush, thinking, "Well, they won't get downwind of me if it's super thick behind me." No, I should have put the open area behind me, and you know, put like been in some thicker stuff. So I didn't put enough attention to detail there. I probably could have killed that first buck that I called in that morning, um, right. who sounded like a much bigger deer. Uh, another opportunity Sunday afternoon, two forty-five, whatever time it was. Big boy comes trotting in. I merp him to stop him. I make a poor shot, and I just—I hadn't paid enough attention to my setup. I got up in the tree, and I'd worked hard to get the platform set and get up there. And I knew that a strong, like it was my weak side, was where the shot was going to be. I knew it. So what right. I should have done is prioritize, well, no, I need to change it up. So next time I hunted there, I found a way to get the, the shot on my strong side. Well, if mm-hmm. I could find a way to get the, the shot on my strong side, well, then I should have done that in the first place, right? Like I should have put in just a little bit more work. Um, I should have slowed it down, made sure I settled my pen, but I didn't. I was in a hurry because of how I had to rush this deer. And then, man, after that, you know what I didn't do? I didn't take a reset. Like I did not take the time that I needed to take to pause and figure out what was going on. Cause I knew at that point, I knew it wasn't right. Right. And so instead of making the necessary adjustments, instead of taking a morning and going to, you know, a local breakfast place, a little diner, eating breakfast, drinking coffee, getting a shower, recharging all my batteries, taking a nap middle of the day, totally taking the day off, shooting my bow, whatever. Instead of doing all that, I pushed harder. And then I pushed harder. And then I pushed harder. And even when I would take a reset moment, I would go sit an observation set. That was right. still, you know, a half mile walk to get back in there or whatever. And had the potential for frustration. So like I went for an observation set after that. And of course, a farmer comes through and he's doing, you know, tests on his field he's getting soil soil samples i can't fault the guy like of course you're doing that why wouldn't like you just cut all your corn yeah i bet you are doing that i hope you are doing that but i should have just pulled the plug then and said i'm waiting you know and so um i see a lot of mistakes that i made man a lot of mistakes where mentally 
I was not prepared. I was in the right places. I was on deer early. I was on deer often. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. And then the, then the last day I passed a buck that was a two year old eight that I would have shot except he gave me a 35 yard shot and I wasn't super comfortable with that. Looking back, I probably should have taken the shot. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about shots over 30. Right. Yeah. And most people say, well, if you weren't comfortable doing it, then, you know, be fine. If he was a 140, I'd have shot him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I would have taken that 35 yard shot because I'm confident at 35 confident enough. Right. right? And so, um, yeah, so I'm beating myself up about a lot, but sure. I continue to put myself in the right spots. I continue to get on deer. I think, I don't think a day went by without me seeing deer. I think I saw deer every single day. Yeah, dude, you were on deer the entire time. Like right. it seemed like every time I was picking up my phone, I had a message from you saying like, oh, I just saw, you know, such and such buck, you know, walk through or whatever. I just saw, I just bumped a couple of does or whatever. Right. Um, like it, you were on deer the whole trip. The whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, I attribute that to, I was in the thick stuff the whole time. I was in the bedding mm-hmm. basically the whole time. I was really keying in on travel routes just outside of bedding. And when I say just outside, right. I mean 25 yards from a bed, 30 yards from a bed. Like I'm, no kidding. I'm on the edge of the thick stuff, right? Like right. I'm not far from, from this bedding. And so it got me on deer. I got busted more this year though. Um, and a lot of that again was because I didn't have that killer mentality of like, you know, I need to sit here and not move a muscle you sure. know, because I just mentally wasn't there. And the reason I got busted, like when I would get busted was because of movement. It wasn't like, Oh, a deer stepped out and I was being still and it looked over and just picked me out of the tree. Like that didn't happen. What did happen is I moved and then realized there was a deer behind me. Cause I hear it go, you know, stupid stuff right. like that. So, right. um, I don't know, man. I, that's something I want to work on for next year. Mentally being dialed in and in the zone because I wasn't there. Right. Uh, and that, I, I'm I'm curious. I want to pick your brain more on that. It's just like, what, what do you think goes into it? What, what do you think? I know let's say it's fresh off of this hunt, but like, what do you think would help guys who are going in, you know, say they're going into a hunting trip? Because, I mean, we're, we're still mid-November. I mean, there's plenty of seasons left. There's plenty right. of guys taking trips and stuff like that. What do you, what do you think would help guys get that uh, or make that mental shift of like, okay, I'm here. It's on. I'm killing day one if I get a crack at it or if I, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I mean, I I honestly think it's just being aware because like I thought mm-hmm. that I was. I thought I was dialed in, you know, and I went in with the mentality of I'm going to work too. Like I was going way right. back into this piece, dude. Like I wasn't skimping on the work or anything. So like on that mental front, I was there. I wasn't there on the mental front of like when I was in the stand, you know, I was distracted. Okay, I was sure. thinking of home. I was, I'll be honest with you, man. I was just homesick. Like I hadn't seen mm-hmm. my family a lot. Hadn't spent a ton of time with them in the weeks leading up to it. We had been really, really busy and I had prioritized getting tasks done so that I could get out the door. Well, that meant once I left, I was like, man, I'm, I really miss my kids. Like I warred with that mm-hmm. on the drive up even of just like, God, this doesn't, something doesn't feel right. 
sure. like something doesn't feel right. And I think it's just because I didn't spend enough time present at home. I, I, you know, looking back, I'm kind of wondering like, what would have happened if I would have just shortened my trip by a day or two yeah. and said, okay, now that the tasks are done, rather than rush off and leave, I'm going to take a day or two here at home to just be dad and husband and chill. And then I'm going to go, you know, right. or, or even back the trip up. Like my, my wife probably wouldn't have even, you know, said, Hey, no, you need to be back on the same day. She probably would have understood and just been like, yeah, I get it. Back your trip up a couple of days. Sure. So, um, yeah, man, but I did end up having a good hunt again, travel route just outside of doe bedding, had a small seven point come through that afternoon. And it was another one of those things, just like last year, I'm hanging my head. I'm in my head all about like, this is so stupid. I'm not going to see anything anymore. You know, I've missed my chances at all these bucks. Like I've got I had two days left to hunt, but technically I really only had one because once you kill one, you know, when you're hunting public ground, then the work starts, right? Like now we got to get that thing out from a mile plus deep, which in Wisconsin, you can't cut it. Everybody's like, just pack it out. You can't debone the meat in Wisconsin. I'm sick of people telling me that I can. (laughs) People keep being like, well, you just debone it, right? Just debone it, put it in your pack. Like that's illegal. Stop doing it. If you're doing it, quit doing that. You can't do it. So you got to get the deer out, right? Then you got to do all the deboning before you can leave. Because here's another thing. Stop taking your bone in deer across state lines. Cause you can't do that either. Yeah. Um, I believe it's a felony even. I, I don't know what it is, but I know it's a no, no depend. And I think yeah. it has more to do with the state that you go into. Yeah, that's um, true. But stop taking your non euroed heads into other states right? So you got a lot of work to do. You've got a full day. You've got to basically Euro mount that thing. If you're going to take it with you, you've got to debone the entire deer, which I don't know if you saw my deboned roast picture today. On I Instagram, did see that. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> right. Like you got a, you got a lot of work to do. So realistically, yeah. I maybe had a day left to hunt because mm-hmm. if I'd killed on Friday, that would have meant all day Saturday would have been spent devoted to the deer and I had to leave Sunday morning. Like I had right. to leave Sunday morning. I left Sunday morning. I didn't get home till 2 a.m. Mon- no. I left Saturday morning. I didn't get home till 2 a.m. Sunday morning. So right. if I'm leaving at leaving on Sunday morning, then I'm not getting home till Monday morning at 2 a.m., you know, which is then go time because I've got work, kids have school, mom has work, like all the things are going on. Right. You know what I mean? So realistically I maybe had, and, and this was three 30 in the afternoon when I shot the deer, realistically I had maybe a day left and that would have been more like, well, you got the morning and then you really need to go pack your gear. Right. And start getting ready. Um, yeah, just because there's like, I can't drop it off at a processor or anything like that. And actually I'd called my taxidermist and he's like, yeah, dude, I'm in Illinois. Sorry. Like, oh, shoot. I'm glad I, Whoops. like, if I'd gotten a big one, I'd have been in a lot of trouble. I'd have been finding a new taxidermist and. Yeah, no um, kidding. So then you're looking at a return trip, you know, to pick up the meat if you got to get it processed. Because if you kill one late and you don't have time to deal with it yourself, you got to drop it off somewhere. Then you got to have somebody that's going to go pick it up for you and put it in their freezer. So a lot of stuff, man. But anyway, it all came together. Beautiful mm-hmm. hunt. Buck comes in just like I'd planned. He's doing what the buck earlier in the day did, checking the same exact trails, you know, that go up into bedding. He's stopping, sniffing, 
walk a little ways, find another end trail that goes up into the bedding stop, sniff, keep coming. He gets right down below me, and he's at like seven yards. And I'm like, dude, I can't let a seven-yard shot on a buck pass me by at this point, right? Right. And after – I'll go into that later. I'll go into that in a minute. <laughs> so I draw back. He catches me draw. He bounds off a couple of steps, but I'm merping him, and he's a, he's a young deer, so he's stupid. So he turns around and looks like, what'd you do? I let the arrow loose, shoot a little far back. I'm thinking liver hit. You know, when I when I loosed it, I was like, liver, maybe I'm in the lungs, but I'm pretty sure I'm liver guts, right? So call my wife, call you, like got a buck, you know, I just shot him, don't know how it's going to go down. I'm unsure of what the track job is going to look like. I'm already nervous about it because I've lost deer in the past, and it sucks. I mean, if you've been bow hunting for any amount of time, you've probably lost one. It's awful, man. Like, I don't, I don't want to yeah. go through that. So I'm already thinking, all right, I'm going to get down, I'm going to find the arrow, I'm going to call a dog. Looks back. I'm just going to call a dog. But I'm shooting these big old Grim Reaper four-blade expandable broadheads, right? Yeah. And I knew I'd gotten a full pass-through because uh, my arrow is sitting there, and I could see from the tree stand it's covered in blood. Shot was, I think, 15 yards by the time he took a couple bounds. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear, and I'm like, oh, my first thought is, uh-oh, there's a buck coming in, and he's making a scrape back behind me. Dad gum. <laughs> like, I was like, ethical dilemma time, what do I do? You know? like, and, right. I, and I knew what I would do if a big buck walked through. I mean, I just shot one, even though I'm a little unsure of the shot. Like, my my shot was taken. I've got to confirm that that deer is gone. Even if it was a one, mm-hmm. even if it was a one fifty that walked out, it's like, you know what? I, I got to do what I got to do, man. I, I, I took the shot I took and now I got to live with my choice. And, right. um, but I'm kicking myself. I'm like, man, that's not cool. No other deer ever comes out. I climb down grab my arrow. There's a little bit of blood on the ground, but not a lot. And I'm immediately like, Oh no, this is not good. It's like gut looking material on the arrow. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, not bad but just a little bit, just enough to make you really question some things. And right. so um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow the blood just how, as far as I need to to get out of here because I had to follow the blood or go the direction that the blood went just to get back to my vehicle. You know, So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to follow it along the way, and we'll see. And I take like four steps, and I'm like, is that a white belly? Like, there's no way. And I'm not seeing any any more blood, like, from the side of impact, right. like, zero blood. And I look up, and there's a white belly, and I'm like, no, that's not a white belly. So I take a couple more steps. I'm like, that's a white, that deer's right there. So that thrashing <laughs> that I heard after talking to people on the phone was the buck. And he was mm-hmm. laying right there with a gaping hole in both sides. These right. dadgum Grim Reaper broadheads, dude, I can't say enough about them. I'm not sponsored by these guys. But you need to go buy some Grim Reaper broadheads and send one of those suckers through a deer because holy cow, they're sharp, they shoot well, and uh, if you have a tendency or if you on occasion have hit deer a little farther back than you'd like, um, these are the ones for you. <laughs> like, it 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 did some damage, you know. Right, right. And it well, turned, you said it was it left a golf ball sized hole in that thing too, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean it was it was a good yeah, it was a good one. It was a it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, man, so it wasn't a super far drag um until I could get it to where I could cart him out, which was great. Right. 
Um, I had met a stranger earlier in the week. Again, shout out to a uh, guy named, nope, can't say his name. Uh, <laughs> meet people on your public lands. I met this guy on the yeah. first day there. I go up and I talk to him. Hey, where are you going? I don't want to step on your toes. Immediately his guard's down because I'm telling him, just tell me direction. Like you're parked here. Give me a compass bearing and I will not go there, you know, while I'm out here. Right. So we exchange numbers and I'm like, hey, here's where I'm going to be. Compass bearing. Parking here, compass bearing here. Please don't step on me, right? Uh, by the end of the week, I'm hanging my deer in his yard, you know, near the public. He's letting me cut it up. Next day, he kills a buck, you know. So another deer hanging in the yard. I go over there. We're hanging out. He's having a couple beers. I know I've got a drive to make, so I'm not doing that. But we're cutting up deer. We're having a good time. We're listening to music, and it's just a ton of fun. So, like, yeah. get to know the people on your local public grounds. Like, it it comes back to pay dividends because here I am, you know, you're a couple hours away. I don't have a lot of, like, hunting buddies, like, in this central area, right? Right. Uh, everybody that I know around this area kind of solos it when it comes to hunting. But then I get to have the deer camp vibe, dude, of just, like, yeah. hanging out with deer, hanging on the meat pole, and we're, we're out there just chilling in the middle of the day, cutting up deer, you know? <laughs> and so... Just such a good experience. So, you know, get to know people, make some friends on public ground. Uh, and it actually helped me earlier in the week, too. He was like, hey, I'm thinking about going to scout over here. Where are you at? And I was like, right. hey, don't go there. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> don't. Uh, especially that spot you just sent that you said you really want to look at. Don't go there. <laughs> that one, not a good one for you. Um, wow. So anyway, so, you know, it it's come to an end. Long story short, though. I did a lot of things right. I did a lot of things not right. Um, I was in the right places. So I want to say physically I was in the game this year, and mentally I was not prepared. Sure. And that's the story. That's the story. Well, and at the same time, too, you – I mean, that was your, your – day one of your hunt was day one of – day one in a tree hunting for you all year. You had no early season lead up, nothing like that. Like, yeah. Day I mean, one. You were going in as cold as you could go in. Yeah. Day one was day one, man, because I mean, you know, starting businesses and trying to get some other things off the ground here. I have not hunted at all this fall. I've had plans right. to get out a couple of different times. I hung in a tree in my backyard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a hunt. Um, and so realistically, this was as cold as you could possibly get. So I went from zero to a hundred, uh, on difficulty scale and you know, the yeah. place where I'm at, like, it's just marsh and gross, dude. Like it, yeah, dude, there was no easing into it. Like I'm climbing trees that are literally leaning, you know, they got a, I don't even know what you'd consider it. It's not a 45, but it'd be like a 65 degree lean to them or something like that. Right. Like they're right. 75 degree lean. Like they're not climbing trees no they're know? not friendly at all and that's the no. toughest part is like stuff like that where you get those thick areas you can't the only straight trunks are in the middle and so you have to sit on an edge and all those edge trees are just leaned out trying to get sunlight so you can't yep. like you you cannot find i mean you can't obviously you did but like dude it when i was just walking around in there hanging cameras for you i was like holy smokes where do you sit yeah like and you were on the ground a lot this year too i was I was, I sat on the ground a lot this year. 
I got a lot more confidence and a lot more confidence that I need to learn a few more things this year. Okay, uh, sure. I should have brought my camo netting with me. I did not do that. I should have brought a ghillie top with me. I did not do that. I have talked with folks at Huntworth and said, hey, you guys really need a, a ghillie top. And they're like, hey, <laughs> dude, we're working on it. Like, just bear with us, you know. And so I didn't have a ghillie top for this year. And that that was costly, man. I got busted on the ground sure. a good number of times. There was one whole day I sat on the ground from dark to dark in the rain. Like, oh God. it was awful. <laughs> it was, I was cold. Dude, it was bad. It was bad. But Huntworth's uh, rain gear is really, really good. Most of their other stuff is water resistant. They'll never call it waterproof, but it's water resistant enough. So, like, I could take the rain gear off and sit there. And I had on the uh, the Saskatoon outer layers. And it wasn't getting wet through that. So right. they kind of always tell you, they're like, no, our stuff isn't rain proof, but it's rain res- water resistant. Wink, wink with like a, <laughs> it's way better than water resistant, you know, kind of thing. Right. So anyway, um, but yeah, I learned a lot, man. There's, I, I want to take some time at some point to break down everything that I want to work on from this year. But that sounds like maybe a season end kind of deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a wait a little while, but I've got some more hunts coming, man. I've got uh, a hunt in Alabama uh, that I'll be doing here not too terribly long from now. Man, my dad yesterday missed a good buck on the home farm and then hit a really good one on the home farm. Okay. Which is not normal for for us. What kind of a hit? Not a good one. No, Uh, not not lethal, you don't think? No, he doesn't think so. Uh, there was no blood, no arrow, and he said it Whoa. It sounded like just a hard bone hit. So I was like, dude, you smacked square that front shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and he's shooting probably a little lower poundage because um, he doesn't shoot a ton, you know. And he's shooting a bow. It's a, I think it's a Parker Wildfire, so it's not like a ton of energy that it's producing necessarily. Mm-hmm. Light arrows, you know, so it's not like yeah. he didn't have like a ton of kinetic energy. Enough. But dude, you hit a you hit a big shoulder blade with an expandable at that energy level, you might struggle to right. pick it back up. But yeah. um anyway, but yeah, man. So I've got more to come. I've got another rut hunt in February that I'm really looking forward to. That's and so, so weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, and dude, that's gonna be with a gun too. So I'm gonna be out right. there with a right. with a thirty out six waiting for some ruddy bucks to come running through. So, you know, it's not, it's not Alabama again, or is that Georgia? That's Alabama. Yeah. So ruts going on right now in Georgia, man, I was going to try to get out, but you know, mentally I'm just, I can tell I'm still not there. And so I'm like, you know what? The best thing I can do is get all of these cameras that I have sitting around me. I've got like 13 cell cam, not cell cameras, but 13 cameras period sitting around me. I need to get them all loaded up and I need to get them all in the woods. They all got to go. They all got to get out there. And so, uh, that's my next step, man. I'm going to start scouting Georgia like it's postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, because where I'm hunting, public land, the public land closes to hunting November 17th. So Really? Yeah. So November 18th and on, I'm going to be out there on this piece of public and just chop it up, dude. Sure. It's 30,000 acres, so uh, I got plenty of walking to do. But yeah. I think I'm going to basically start by walking the ridges, walking the bottoms, and walking the edges of any clear cuts and pick up sign and go from there. I like it. Sounds like a good starting point. Who knows Definitely. if it really is. 
do you think you're going to do more ground hunting in the future? Like, did you, did you enjoy it enough or did you think it was, it was, uh, uh, lethal enough tactic to, to continue pursuing or trying to yes develop? I'm going to do a lot more of it in the future. I'm okay. going to make sure Huntworth is working on a ghillie. Yeah. Well, I might have to edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> there. We hope. We, we hope. hope. Huntworth we hope Huntworth is working will, on a We hope Huntworth will work on a ghillie and get it to market, right? Yeah. Uh, but I've got another ghillie, if not, um, that I can, you know, get into. I need to figure out a way to sit that doesn't kill me, right? Because if I'm sitting cross-legged all day, my legs are going to sleep, my butt's going to sleep. It's hurting, you know, physically. And in a lot of these places right. too, where you, you know, I'm in, I'm on the ground because it's brush and leaning trees. I can't sit leaning forward all day with, you know, a tree trunk behind my head, you know, kind of right. thing. And so I've got to figure a lot of stuff out, but yes, I will continue to do it. Yes. I think it's a lethal enough tactic. And, um, yes. When that forky came in at six yards on the ground, it was like having a 140 at 15 from a tree stand because Dude, it was a rush. Right? Huge rush. You hear him breathing like that. Dude, huge rush. And and here's the thing, too. The day I was hunting on the ground, it was raining, so I couldn't hear anything. And I literally, I had one shooting lane. I put pictures of it on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. I had one yeah. shooting lane. I could see deer when they stepped into that shooting lane. So, literally, I'm sitting there, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then, boom, my shooting lane and field of vision is filled with brown fur. And it's just like, you know, and you're, you're, you're not eye level. And that's the thing. People are like, oh, you're eye level with the deer. It's like, no, no, I'm not eye level. I am below them. Yeah. You know, that deer is standing over me at six yards. Right. And so that was, dude, that that's was a something weird else. position to be in. It is. It is. So, uh, Pierce, man, I gotta, I gotta wrap it up. Cause I gotta go get kids from school. Uh, mm-hmm. do we want to leave folks with anything when we're talking, especially about, uh, Revo? Uh, yeah. If you are looking for, uh, a good gift for yourself or a loved one, as you're getting ready for the holiday season here, I highly, highly recommend, uh, Revo sunglasses. I've been running them for the last year and a half now. And I, you know, everything from driving to, uh, being out there, you know, when I'm, when I'm fishing for, for pleasure or fishing for business um, or even, you know, just sitting in the tree stand, having beers on the patio, you name it. They've got a, a, a frame and a lens for just about everything. And through the podcast, you can get a nice 30% off um, on any of your orders with uh, the code Wisconsin sportsman 30. Um, so check them out. Revo.com. And uh, yeah. Just good company, really good lenses. I'd throw them up against any other, you know, big sunglass manufacturer out there. Um, these guys are legit. Josh, I have one other question for you. Right. Okay. Um, so we, when, when we were up there, you know, we were both strapped for time trying to fill our tag and everything, but we were able to meet up, um, grab a, a quick trip coffee before yeah. both of us yeah. left town. Yeah. Uh, Mine was good. Something. Mine was real yeah, good. It, it was real good. Yeah. I <laughs> have to pick them up for a sponsorship next year. We'll right. see. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, you said something interesting though, that uh, this may be foreshadowing and I don't mean to put you in a corner here, uh, but next season 
you mentioned that you might not go back to the marsh, but instead you might try some of that sweet hilly terrain of the Driftless region. Care to uh, elaborate on that? Is that something we should expect from you next year? Here's the here's the deal. It's all speculative right now. I will, you know, a lot can change. I will go back to the marsh again okay. this year. Unreal pressure like I've never seen before. And I said that last year. This year, yeah. even more pressure. Like there were really? mornings where there were eight or nine cars in the parking lot. Okay. Um, the number of good bucks that we got on camera were basically none. I got a shot at the only buck that was a good buck that we had on camera. Right. right? And that was it. Okay. A couple other smaller ones that I saw that we didn't have on camera. But for the most part, that place has fallen off a little bit. It's not as yeah. good. It's not the dream spot that it once was. So with that said, oh, and one more piece that is important. I have whittled down now the four best stand sites on this entire piece of public that I'm confident that if a good buck is on this piece of public and has any kind of consistent daylight movement, I can encounter him at one of four locations. Yep. And probably all four of them, if that makes sense. Because of the way the pressure works and because of the way the layout of this place is. Now, that doesn't mean other people won't kill things in other strange, weird areas catching a deer doing mm -hmm. something different. I'm just saying from a macro movement picture, right? Right. I know the four best places to hunt on this spot. I like it. And, and I also know the four or five best secondary places to hunt. So what that yeah. means is I can breeze through this spot, sit the best places, have the best, most productive sits if the wind is perfect, and then bail and go learn right. something new. And that will be that'll be what I'm doing next year. Right. I like it. Now, what if I can find you a marsh at the base of – some really nice hilly terrain in the Driftless. Would you come out and investigate that? Or are you, are, are you, do you want to test the hypothesis that you've built and uh, next year go out there and say, I know these four spots and the five to seven secondary spots that are the best and go out there and see how quickly you can have success? test the hypothesis of just like go out and like, I saw more mature deer. Or I saw more deer in these spots than anywhere else before. And like, I, I guess I'm, I'm struggling to figure yeah. what the, what the, the litmus test is going to be for success there. Yeah. So what? number one, I, I think I am going to take some targeted sits, Okay, uh, I like it. but I do think that I'm going to put some people in some of those spots. Okay. Like, our good buddy, Mr. Sam Billhorn. And yes. so I, I think, dude, I think on any given morning, if I could have these, uh, if I, if the wind is good for three of the four spots, which it typically you could probably get away with that. Mm -hmm. If the wind is good at three of four and we have guys to cover three of those, I would not be surprised if two of them kill on really? any, on any given day. I kid you not. If you were to volume hunt those spots, if you if you three guys, volume hunt those three spots, stands every morning, yes, that's bold, dude. I <laughs> I saw 
four shooters in the first four days. That's true. I That's saw true. shooters multiple days after that. I had midday movement. Every day that I sat through midday, I had midday movement. Yeah. Midday bucks checking doe bedding, right? Right. I was just in them and I'm just not, was just not mentally prepared. So, but I do think I want to get into the hill country a little bit though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed. Like what? I think you would like it. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to doing the whole marshy thing at the kind of the base of the hill country kind of deal. Sure. You know, mix it up a little bit. But I do think that I want to say, because man, when you get the rut going on out there in Southwest Wisconsin, dude, it's just obvious. Like you just, mm-hmm. you just know where to go, you know? Right. And not to say that it's easy, but you can pick those spots. So um, anyway, that'll be the plan, man. Well, I got to wrap it up. Uh, my kids got out of school six minutes ago. No so, boy. Uh, all right, go get them. Yeah, I'm going to go pick them up. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Everybody, thanks for listening. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.